And this morning what we're doing is we're launching a new three-part series, and it's called Free Indeed. And uh, I'm super excited. I am super excited about this series, you guys. I'm serious. Like, it's going to be a good one. Be here. If you can't be here, you're going to do what? Listen to the what? That's right, podcast. And it's going to be awesome. And it's about the freedom that we have in Christ. John 8, 36, very familiar passage. And it says, so if the sun sets you free, you are truly free. I love the way some of the other translations put it. They say, if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. You know, there's no, it's not, you're not partially free. You're not just like, okay, great, now you have a... a, a, a club membership punch card every time you come to church or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to talk about free indeed. You're really free. And what that statement really means. Um, I, I have, a, as, as a pastor, I have a bit of an uh, uh, understanding that there are many believers who don't experience freedom. That maybe they come and maybe they say a prayer. Maybe they kind of like, you know, join a church and whatever. But there's still uh, many areas in their life where there's, where there's bondage. And I want to talk just about freedom and being free indeed. Because here's the thing. It's like, you know, Jesus makes this incredible, unfathomable, incomparable freedom available to us. And it's such a shame when we don't walk in it. Like, you know, you know, most of us are, you know, we're just kind of looking at the tip of the tip of the iceberg. And I remember, you know, let me just kind of switch gears, but uh, there was a time in my life when I was had just kind of living towards and headed towards a direction that I was really hoping was going to make me happy. And I remember as a, as a kind of a teenager, mid to late teenager, starting to kind of think about what I'm going to do with my life and... and you know, what, I can't, you know, I'm not going to be a high schooler forever. I'm not going to live at home forever. What am I going to do with my life? And uh, I was m- making decisions about who I was becoming, what I was choosing for a career, what values I was adopting. And those decisions that I was making had far more to do with pleasing my dad, right, than who God created me to be. Uh, and, and I don't know if you, some of you, maybe you can remember back to that age. Um, but I remember during that particular season of my life, there was a lot in me that wanted to please my dad. I thought he was cool. And I, I think it's natural that we want to please our parents. I mean, the first seven years of your life are so important. I mean, you are laying such a foundation during that first seven years of, of your life. And, you know, I looked at my dad during the, you know, during the first seven years of my life, it was before he became an alcoholic, right? And so, like, you know, he was like, a, he was in the Taekwondo, and he was tougher than everybody, and all those things, you know? And uh, I just really wanted to please him when I got into my, my teen years. Um, he was in the Air Force, and so I thought I would make him happy, and so I, uh, I was this close to enlisting in the Air Force, uh, he was a pipe fitter, so I thought maybe I should be a tradesman too. And uh, at the end of the day, I didn't find any of these options really super fulfilling. And, and I was really only moving towards them, making major life decisions because I wanted to make somebody else happy. And uh, that, can, that can lead to some serious issues in your life. Uh, that can really lead to some serious issues because the last thing you want to do is spend your entire life on a track, 
miserable because you thought it would make somebody happy. Here's the thing that I've noticed in my life is that a lot of times um, when there's someone in your life that you really desire to make happy, that you have this sort of almost strange, unnatural desire to make them happy, 90% of the time, that person's never going to be happy. <laughs> you ever notice that? Because I, I remember, even as a, as a, like a late teenager, I, I got a job on a roofing crew because I thought it would make my dad happy. And I couldn't, I couldn't wait to tell him how I got this job you know, on a roofing crew. And, uh, and he was like, all he could do was criticize roofers. You know, is it union? Pfft, why'd you join it? You know, just like, and I was just like, wow. And, uh, and yeah, say what you want about roofers. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was because I wanted to make him happy. And then there was this point in my life where I just got, just ambushed by the love of God. And God comes along, and I found this new life in Jesus, and I discovered that he had ideas for my life. I discovered that Jesus had ideas, that Jesus had plans uh, for my life. And they were far, far, far more fulfilling. Like they, I mean, it was night and day. And I found forgiveness for my sins. Uh, I found deep and meaningful purpose for my life. And, you know, when you make that shift to going, you know what, uh, I'm, I'm kind of making decisions to please somebody else. I'm kind of making some decisions to... You know, uh, please a parent or please a boyfriend or girlfriend or please, you know, somebody that I admire versus I'm making my decisions to please Jesus. It's night and day. It's night and day. And so uh, I hope that you can kind of grasp that today. And um, some of you, you probably remember that moment when you found Jesus. For some of you, it dramatically changed your life. Like, I love it when I hear a, st- a story and somebody says, I just, I found Jesus, and I prayed this prayer, and I woke up the next morning, and all my problems were gone, right? My addictions were gone. You know, I actually heard a, a testimony um, just recently about a guy who uh, was sharing how he was just a long, long, long time alcoholic. He found Jesus, and psh, wow, all the desires were gone. I love those stories. And then there's the other stories where somebody finds Jesus, and like, those freedoms come gradually, and they have to kind of fight for him, and they have to work for him, and it's, it's, a, it's a slog fest, you know, working it out. And both stories are incredible. They really, really are. But uh, you probably remember that time when Jesus came, and he, he dramatically changed your life, whether it was gradual or whether it was instant. And uh, for other of you, you found Jesus, and like I said, it's kind of been a, it's been a two-step forward, one-step back journey. Some, some people here are probably still searching. So there's, there's probably people here that are like, they're still searching. They're probably like, I, I don't know if this Jesus thing is going to stick. You know, maybe. I mean, I'm kind of into it. I'm seeing some benefits. Like it's all about the benefits. You know, I'm seeing some, some benefits to it. There's, you know, church bennies, as we call them. Uh, I'm just kidding. Nobody calls them church bennies. So, um, but, you know, you're kind of wondering if, it, if it's really going to take. And so wherever you are this morning, I just pray that you're inspired to accept all that God has for you. All. All. Right? So what do we want from God? All that he has for us. All that he has for us. Right? This idea of going, you know, God, I'll be happy with the crumb from your table. You know, God doesn't want to just give you the crumb from his table. He wants to give it all to you. Right? 
And so he's a good father. He's a good father. Uh, and so, so I hope that you accept all that God has for you. See, here's the thing about sin. So let's talk about sin. Shift gears again. Sin has a way of promising freedom, but delivering bondage. Let's think about it. Sin is the best salesman in the world. Right? Nothing sells like sin. And it's wrapped up in all sorts of words like freedom and uh, self-expression. Sometimes it's wrapped up in that and it's wrapped up in pleasure. Sin is like this incredible salesman that just promises this incredible liberty but delivers incredible bondage. And that's the thing about sin. And it's tricky. Um, Some of you are old enough to remember the 60s. I won't call anybody out, but... uh, and, and there was this thing during the 60s called the sexual revolution. All of a sudden, everybody's, you know, taking off their clothes. And they're just, just everywhere, just, just mass hysteria, just walking around with their clothes off. But, uh, but they're discovering this thing that they called sexual freedom, right? Sexual freedom. And they're... What happened is they ended up finding, a lot of people found themselves in addiction. There was mass proliferation of sexually transmitted diseases, right? And then to just, just add, to, to make it even worse, to like, to really kind of the nail in the coffin is, is you had uh, children that were born inconveniently and they were abused, right? They were abandoned, because they weren't convenient. They weren't part of that model of freedom. Right? And, and, and the answer to that, consequently, just a few years later in the early 70s, was, well, we should legalize abortion. And so you see how this, like, freedom, hey, sexual freedom, we do what we want, led to massive bondage and even to murder. And so freedom, it's, it's not, that's not freedom, you know. And, and my own father was a man who believed in exercising his freedom. So he, he drank all the time. That was how he exercised his freedom. He just, he just he drank every, every, you know, he would go through a case of beer a day, easily, easily. And he just drank. And uh, he did it as often and as much as he wanted to. And it led to addiction. It led to losing his family and then eventually dying pretty young of uh, a cardiovascular disease. And so that freedom, hey man, I got the freedom. You can't tell me what to do. To just to drink led to dying alone in a camp or somewhere. You know? And so uh, freedom has a way, or sin has a way of just selling us on freedom but delivering bondage. Sin is false freedom. Can I just tell you that? Just to borrow a phrase. It's fake freedom. It's fake freedom. Sin is fake freedom. It's fake freedom that keeps us from becoming the people God created us to be. Right? Hey, what a wonderful, like, like uh, incredible tactic or strategy from the devil. Right? To convince you that you're going to experience some sort of freedom, but what it does is keeps you from being who God created you to be. I mean, really, that's what the enemy wants, is for you not to be who God created you to be. Because when you walk out and you live in and you become who God had created you to be, it's pretty awesome. And when you live out who God created you to be, you're pretty awesome. 
you know, and you do some amazing things, and you reflect the glory of God. And so, uh, so sin keeps us from being who God created us to be. And why do you think that God was willing to go through such great lengths, such extreme lengths, to set us free from sin? It wasn't just because, you know, sin is some messy thing, and God's like, I don't want any of that near me, you know? It's because it keeps you from being who God created you to be. So he went through incredible lengths to set you free from it so that you can be who he made you to be. And when we are who God made us to be, it's awesome. It's awesome. Why would we want to be anything less than what God created us to be? Okay? So what does the Bible have to say about this and experiencing incredible freedom, true freedom? That God offers us, oh, I can't wait to talk about this over the next few weeks. Wendy's, Wendy's bringing a message next Sunday. I'll just tell you right now. Spoiler alert. She is talking about freedom from shame next week. And if that is or has or ever has been an issue in your life, you've got to hear it because it's powerful. Okay? So, spoiler alert. Freedom from shame, it's going to be incredible. So, uh, but we're going to talk about this real quick. Let's pray. God, we love you, we praise you, we thank you for your word, we thank you for freedom. Even now, God, I pray that you would stir in our hearts such a cry, such a desire for freedom that it supersedes the desire of any temptation that we're facing. God, that it supersedes the desire to shrink back. And God, I pray that you would, God, that this church, that Mercy Vineyard Church would be a house of freedom. That it would be a place where people are set free, stay free, live free, and free others. And so, God, let your word come alive in us and transform us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so what we're going to do, we are going to start off by reading John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. And uh, here, Jesus is talking, and it says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. Okay? I love that part. We just stop right there, right? And, and, and just keep on. So it says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So what's going to set you free? Truth, okay? So the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. Short memory. Uh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, What do you mean you will set us, uh, we will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sins is a slave to sin. And a slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. So if you remember one thing this morning, this is it. Let it be this. Real freedom is only found in surrendering my will to Jesus. Real freedom is only found in surrendering my will to Jesus. Any other freedom is fake freedom. Real freedom is found in surrendering my will to Jesus. So we've been duped into believing that freedom is doing whatever we want, whenever we want, as often as we want. Right? Like that's, that's sort of like the, this picture of freedom that the world has to offer. You do whatever you want, whenever you want, and, and as often as you want. But Jesus says to be faithful to his teachings, right? And, and really, when we talk about doing whatever we want as often as we want, is actually one way to define sin, right? Doing whatever we want, whenever we want, as often as we want, that's how we define sin. 
And so Jesus says, be faithful to his teaching, to know his teaching and to obey his teaching. And when we do that, we'll truly be free. Paradox, right? Doesn't that just sound uh, like the opposite? Wait a minute. So if I know somebody's teaching and I obey those teaching, that's freedom? Doesn't that sound like crazy? Like if, I, if, if anybody else, if, like, if, somebody, if the mayor came up here and goes, guys, I have a list of rules. I have a list of things. I'm going to teach you a few things. I want you to know them. I want you to obey them. Would that feel like freedom? No. But with Jesus, it's so different. With Jesus, it's different. And Jesus says, hey, I want you to know my teaching. I want you to obey my teaching. And when you do, you're going to find freedom. You're going to find incredible freedom. And so uh, the thing about, about sin, though, remember I said doing whatever we want, whenever we want, as often as we want, is actually one way of defining sin. We think we can control sin. That's, that's one of the biggest lies of the enemy right there, is this idea that we can control sin. I can control this. I can handle this, right? We think that we can control sin. We think that, that we can dabble with sin, that, that uh, we can experience what we believe is freedom, and we can get away with it without it impacting us like people like my dad or people from the 60s, right? Whatever. We think that we, hey, you know what? I can, I'm okay. I can dabble with that. I can drink a little, smoke a little, have a little sex. I can do whatever, you know, whatever. And we think we can dabble in sin. But make no mistake, any sin that you toy with is going to make a toy out of you. I have never known it to be different. You are not the exception. Any sin that you toy with is going to make a toy out of you. Isn't it funny how we, we lie to ourselves about being the exception to everything, right? It's like, it's like no matter what it is, we lie to ourselves. We say that we're, accept, we're the exception. And, and whenever there's any sort of statistic like, hey, 90% of the people who do this end up doing that, we tell ourselves we're the 10%. You know, that's just always, it's like we, we lie to ourselves about being the exception all the time. But any sin that you toy with is going to make a toy out of you. That's not freedom. That is not freedom. That's bondage. That is bondage. And so, uh, what are some of the freedoms that we experience when we surrender everything to Jesus? I'm just gonna I'm gonna mention a few, okay? And we'll kind of drill down. Uh, we'll we'll drill down just a little bit. But there are free, these freedoms that we experience when we surrender our will to Jesus. First of all, when we surrender to Jesus, we have freedom from the fear of death. What better freedom? I'm like honestly. <laughs> What better fear to get rid of than the fear of death? We have freedom from the fear of death. Death, death is a universal fear. It's a uni- Everybody's afraid of death. Some people say, oh, I'm not afraid of death, I'm just afraid of dying. <laughs> you know? it's, right? It's, 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 uh, it's, it wasn't hitting the ground that, you know, it wasn't the fall that killed him, it was hitting the ground. You know? it's, I've got, it's not, I'm not afraid of... Of, of death, it's dying, right? Death is this universal fear. But that was the thing that Jesus came to give us freedom from, that fear of death. Jesus came to conquer death. It was death that he came to conquer. And so in 8, John 8, 51, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. So then we're coming back, we're coming back to that. We're coming back to knowing his teaching and obeying his teaching. He says, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. We'll never die. 
Well, that's awesome. If you know you'll never die, then what fear do you have? Like, you know the old saying, if you knew that you couldn't fail, what would you do? Right? Like, if you knew that you weren't going to die, what would you do? What would you say? How would you confront, uh, how would you confront, you know, abuse in our world? How would you share the gospel in our world? How would you, you know, just live? Right? If you knew you didn't have to be afraid of dying. And so, if you don't have to live in the fear of dying, you, we, we don't. Death's power is broken. And there's so much freedom in knowing that. Isn't that awesome, just to know that we don't have to be afraid of dying? Right? If you are knowing and following Jesus' words, his commands. So, uh, the next thing is this, is that when we surrender everything to Jesus, we have the freedom to walk in relationship with God. We have the freedom to walk in relationship with God. There's nothing better. Like, we could end right there, right? Because there is nothing better. And, and uh, if you have not experienced the freedom in walking in a relationship with God, God let me just tell you, I, I don't even know how to sell that to you this morning beyond just, just do it. You know, it's so, there's nothing better. There is nothing better ever, anywhere, ever, 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 ever. Yeah, there's just nothing better, right? Second Corinthians eight sixteen b through 18 says, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God. They will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things. Don't behave like the world does. Be different. Let me just tell you, there's, there are higher values than being cool. There, <laughs> you know, there are, there are higher values. Sometimes we're like, we put coolness on a pedestal and like we forget about righteousness. And, you know, we forget about relationship with God and we just think cool is the ultimate, you know, value or, or you know, whatever to aspire to. It's not. It's not. You know, and neither is relevancy. You know, that's, that's important, but it's not. And uh, so it says, it says, don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. There's nothing greater in existence than the freedom to walk with God. We have that freedom. And uh, we're free to worship Him. We're, we're free to draw near to Him for wisdom, for direction, for strength, for healing. We're, we're free to, 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 to draw into Him. There's nothing greater than that freedom. He offers it to us when we trust Him with our lives, when we surrender. Okay? The greater the surrender, the greater the freedom. The greater the surrender, the greater freedom. So, lastly, when we give Jesus the, the steering wheel of our lives... We have the freedom to be who he created us to be. Oh, you guys, this, this is it. This is it. Amen. You look in the mirror. You know, when we look in the mirror, are we happy and excited about what we see? Our, and I'm not talking about our looks and our externals. I'm saying when we look in the mirror, do we see a person who is all that God created them to be? Or at least more of what we were created to be than we were a year ago. Right? I mean, you know, it's a, it's a progressive work. At least more than we were created to be six months ago. And so uh, there is a, a great feeling to be able to look at yourself and go, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Hey, I'm becoming more of who God created me to be. You know, and when we give Jesus control of our life, that's how we start to get there. That's how we get there. That's how we take those steps. And here's the thing. No matter what ideas that you have about who you're going to be, no matter what ideas you have about, you know, where, where you're going to live and, and how you're going to live your life, they will never come close to the awesome plans God has for you. Never close. Not even close. Not even close. 
you know, we're pretty good at sort of, you know, well, some people are pretty good, pretty good at making plans for their lives. And, you know, I, I make plans for my life. You know, this year I bought this, this notebook. I'm so excited about it. I showed it to Karen because she's a nerd. And, uh, and, and, it's, and, it's a, and it's a book, you know, you have for planning your goals and creating five-year plans and three-year plans and all those things that I'm so excited about. And, and I still do those things. Uh, but, you know, you better believe that I, I seek the Lord and go, okay, God, what are your plans? Because no matter what I can write down in this notebook, you've got something better. You've got something better. And so uh, we need to be moving towards who God created us to be. Um, Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. We're God's masterpiece. Look at the person next to you. Come on, you know I'm going to have you do it. Look at him in the eye, look him in the eye, and tell him you're God's masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. Nobody's looking Brad in the eyes. Brad, you're God's masterpiece, okay? You're God's masterpiece. And the other Brad, you're God's masterpiece. If your name is Brad here today, you're God's masterpiece. You know, <laughs> we're God's masterpiece, and he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Wow. How do we get there? Surrender. Okay? And, and so, there's so many people are searching for purpose today, aren't they? Like, if you, you guys remember a few years ago, there was this very little-known, kind of under-the-radar series of movies. Nobody really ever heard of them, called The Matrix. And... Uh, and like when you, like the whole underlying theme of those movies was this guy finding his purpose. Neo, and finding his purpose. I mean, per, everybody's searching for their purpose. What's my purpose? Why am I here? We all want to know why we're here. We all want to know why our purpose, what our purpose is. Okay? And some people, some people even like succeed wildly in worldly standards. They become millionaires, billionaires. But they feel totally empty because... They don't know their purpose, why they're here. And uh, God has a purpose for you to live out and for me to live out. God has a purpose for every single... There's no, no exceptions to that. God has a purpose for every single person here to live out. And there's nothing more fulfillment, nothing more fulfilling than when we're living out our purpose. Nothing fulfills like it. Nothing fulfills like living out your purpose. And so, here's the thing. A lot of times, do you know what one of the surest signs uh, of, of not living out your purpose is? Or a surest sign of, of a lack of fulfillment? You want to know? Just so that you know. So that you're like, I want to know, you know, if what I'm experiencing is fulfillment or not. If I'm fulfilled. It's frustration. Like, frustration is, is the first sign and the greatest sign of not fulfilling your purpose. Of not having a sense of fulfillment. And some people, you ever just go through a day when you're frustrated and you don't even know why? Maybe you show up on your job and like, you're, you're like, every day I am frustrated here. Okay? And it's because what you're doing isn't a fulfillment of your purpose. What you're doing isn't aligning with your values. You know? And so we, when we're feeling frustration, just the general frustration through life, I'm just frustrated all the time. You need to stop. And look, am I, is this God's purpose? Is this Because if you're walking in God's purpose, you're going to f- experience fulfillment. Okay? And when we follow Jesus, we experience a freedom. We find fulfillment. 
we know the liberty of, of being who He created us to be, and we fulfill that purpose that He created us to fill. And so today what I want to do is I just want to wrap up with a question. And the question is this. How free are you today? Like, honestly, when you think about it, how free are you today? How free are you in your life? Are you experiencing freedom from fear? Or does fear just grip you, right? And I get it. Sometimes we have things like uh, chemical imbalances, and we need a little help from from a psychiatrist or a psychologist. You know, some people just are like constantly gripped by anxiety or fear and, they, and so they need a little help that way. I'm not talking about that. Okay? How, how free are you from fear? How Are you walking in joyful, intimate relationship with God? I'm just going to let that question sit for a second. Are, are you walking in joyful, intimate relationship with God? Are you living out God's best for who you are and His purpose for your life? When you look in the mirror, do you see someone who is living out more of God's best for them than they were six months ago or a year ago? If you're looking in the mirror and you're seeing someone who's living out less than God's best from your life, for your life than you were a year ago, there's area of surrender. There's some areas of surrender there that you need to make. Okay? If the answer isn't yes, yes, and yes, then you have to ask yourself, how surrendered am I? How surrendered am I? And that goes for every area of your life. How surrendered am I? Right? Is my time surrendered? You know, the thing about time, you know, like with money, you're going to make more money. If you, if you waste some money, you'll make some more. Time, you never make more. You never get time back, right? How surrendered is my time? Are my finances surrendered? You know, we just kind of, you know, we just kind of went through a, a, a minor crisis in the church here where uh, we, we had a, a we, well, we just, Needed more money. <laughs> it was just not enough coming in. Um, and, you know, we have to ask ourselves, how surrendered is, are my finances? Again, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. The exception thing, right? I'm an exception to that area of surrender because I got a lot of bills. No, you're not. <laughs> right? And so we have to understand, how surrendered am I? Are my, are my relationships surrendered? Right? That's a tough one, especially as we get older, right? Because we're afraid of getting lonely. The older we get, we're like, oh, 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 I'm going to end up being alone if I don't, you know, uh, make a little wiggle room, make some compromises in my relationships. But is that totally surrender? Is that total surrender? We need to be surrendered, right? Even in our relationships. What about our attitude? Your attitude matters. Your attitude counts. Your attitude is a reflection of what's going on inside. Is your attitude surrender? Right? A lot of us, we, uh, we see freedom in terms of like, uh, well, freedom of self-expression. You know, If I want to say this or say that, that's rude or dumb or whatever, I'm going to say it because, hey, freedom. <laughs> freedom for you, maybe, but everybody else is in bondage to your crappy attitude. 
Um, <laughs> sorry, I don't know where that came from. Uh, <laughs> is your will surrendered? Is your will surrendered? Is your will surrendered, right? Again, when God calls on you, when God presents an opportunity for you, uh, are you surrendering your will or are you making excuses? Okay? And then wonder for how our brains work. They're the best excuse makers, man. They're the most powerful computers in the world. This excuse. Self-exemption. And so, and, and I say this, here's the thing. Let me just bring it back to this. And we kind of talked about this a few weeks ago. But I'm not, I don't say this out of a religious legalism. I, I, I say this because we want to be surrendered out of love and appreciation for all that Jesus has done for us. Right? When we have a thankful heart, can I just tell you, when we have like a, like a thankful heart, we're overflowing with gratitude towards this incredibly loving God and this incredible sacrifice that Jesus paid for us, we do all this stuff out of such joy and gratitude. Like, you know, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take you know, a theologian to go, yeah, gratitude is very powerful, and we should do and surrender our will to Christ out of gratitude, right? I mean, that should just kind of, we should all just sort of know that. Um, Jesus didn't hold anything back. There is nothing that Jesus could have done that he didn't do. And he gave it all for us. Why would I say before? Because conquering sin helps us to become the person God created us to be. God wants, God has glory that he's placed inside of us. Right? To reflect his glory. And we reflect his glory when we are who he created us to be. But when we're, in, when we're living an unsurrendered life, we, don't, we aren't who God created us to be. And so surrender to Jesus brings freedom. It brings freedom. How free? How free are you today? How free am I? Right? That's the question we ask ourselves. And so what I want to do is I just want to close by praying today. Wendy, will you come up here?